0: Day, Bookworms. say Helen.
1: Hi, it's Miranda. And thanks for joining us on Little Bookworms Retrospective today. I'm really excited for this. How are
0: you? I'm excited. I can't believe it's been one year of Little
1: Bookworms. <laughs> I can't believe that one year ago we were in lockdown and we decided that we really wanted to do this podcast. I'm so happy that we decided to do it, but. Does not feel like a year.
0: No, it doesn't seem like a year, and also welcome back from summer vacation because we took that long European August vacation off. So,
1: when in Paris, we act like the Europeans. We act like <laughs> the French, and just need a little time off.
0: Yes, That's but everyone. we've been busy with our own lives outside of the pod. So
1: we've been very busy we actually have a lot going on in our lives
0: yes we do (laughs) um
1: and interestingly according you know despite what some politicians would have you believe the pandemic is not over and is still very much uh, in the forefront of our minds so yeah this is gonna be like a really casual episode i'm super excited to just have a conversation about what we've accomplished and what we've talked about in a year because We've actually done a lot. Like when we were reviewing for this episode, I was super excited for how much we'd actually done. It's crazy. I know,
0: me too. Well, I got my tea because I wanted to be like you today. (laughs) (laughs) What are you drinking, Miranda?
1: Here's what happened though, is I was going to have a tea, I promise you. But I had a day and a half. It was a, a real rough one, okay? And so I just came home and it's like 35 degrees here. So I have um, a San Pellegrino lemon uh, with a little tiny bit of gin in it, just because I need a little bit right Oh,
0: we've really, like, reversed (laughs) roles. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Full circle.
1: This is what happens when when we record in the evenings.
0: (laughs) I know. Very late, but it's fun. So I think we should start off, now that we've discussed our drinks, with why we started this podcast. So I remember talking about it with you and then as I prepared for this episode I re-listened to our intro and oh wow I now understand when people are like don't listen back." that but we outlined a few goals of why we wanted to do this podcast and I think we've done decent like yeah. I, I don't know I think we've done pretty good so like my thing was that France is not Paris like there's more beyond Paris that's in the country of France, but also the Francophonie is much, much bigger than just France.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So how do you think we've done with reading books from the Francophonie? I I
1: think that that is something that we really tried hard to push against. Like, And uh, even in the books that were about Paris, we really chose authors that were not typical Brigitte Bardot types. Like we were trying to, not that Mm Brigitte Bardot was much of a literary person, but I I do think that we chose... The symbolism is there. (laughs) I think we chose people like James Baldwin, who are like, they're writing about Paris, yes, but they are expats, and they are racialized people, and it's a different perspective. And so I think that we accomplished combating the myth that like France is one place, and that is Paris, and what that idea of Paris Uh is. Um, And even with like Lindsay's book, um, The New Parisian, I think that we tried to look at paris through a different lens and and show that it's more than just the eiffel tower and baguettes like that there's a complexity to paris um yeah so but yeah but like overall i'm really proud of how many uh, authors we read that were just not in france at all because i was
0: like that leads into our other goal too is like filling in our gaps and i i feel like i i feel good about it cuz i was excited to read I don't even want to say, like, classics I missed because we didn't actually do that many classics, though shout out to the Medusium Sex because that has been on my list for a while and, like, it was a good one. But, yeah, just reading author, like, even our Canadian one. Mm -hmm. Like, not everything had to be centered on Francophonie. With, like, um, The Home for Unwanted Girls, we got a bit more Perspective Canada, And it weaved in the French, which was awesome, but it wasn't necessarily the focus of the book, you know? And that was kind of cool to pick up throughout, just like in the last book, uh, Small Country or Petit Pays. Again, there was the conversation, but I wouldn't say it was the main driver of the book, like being part of the Francophonie or that identity. Well, and then we had some that 100% addressed it, but... I liked I, it. It was like a mix. I, I thought we did a
1: great job. Honestly, I mean, uh, we're patting ourselves on the back. There's always more work to be done, and that's what we keep saying at the end of every podcast. Is there's just so much more to learn, and it, like we're not even close to done. No. But in exploring the Francophonie, I mean, we traveled a lot, you know, and we yeah we talked about a lot. And
0: I think we went to twelve countries. That's right. I think yeah, I counted. That,
1: that it yeah. is And I'm really proud of that. And some of that was also like countries that. I was even ignorant were included in the Francophonie when we, it's not until you start to try and look, you really actually start to look where you're like, wow, there are a lot, you know, there's a lot here. (laughs) So I'm really, yeah, I'm really proud of like how diverse that was and how much we explored beyond France, especially because it is so tempting Mm -hmm. to stay where you're comfortable, it is it's so tempting
0: well not even where you're comfortable but like i'm not gonna lie my tbr has so many books about france and like paris yeah. and i'm like oh but i i want a book beyond paris but then i'm like but this looks so good it's a woman's spy in world war ii yes. like oh my God, so awesome. you know, know it's just so hard that but that's how publishing works marketing you know <laughs>
1: it's not just comfort but it's also fantasy right like one of the things is we are North American and as much as like we've lived abroad and you continue to live abroad we're North American and so we have this image of France and sometimes you just want that fantasy to be fulfilled and I think that the books we read were really great at like fulfilling parts of it but then turning that on its head and trying to make you think critically about that so There's, yeah, there's a a comfort of like a, I don't want to say a beach read, but like definitely like a, an easier,
0: like taking me to Paris. Right. I'm prepared. (laughs) Let me escape this COVID lockdown number,
1: (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I am so excited for my, like my summer trip next year.
0: Which, to be fair, this is the same summer trip that yeah. she was talking about last year, being this this coming summer. But it's happening. Back, it's back happening when eventually. I thought
1: that this would all be over in a couple months. <laughs> I legitimately remember being sent <laughs> home from work and saying, "This will all be over in eight months." Anyway, so I mean, yeah. But you have that. You have that urge to like. I've been wanting to watch, you know, Midnight in Paris and all of these like. <sighs> yeah, I Love a. it, love it. But like, it's yeah, specific it's so good. View of what you know to be Paris it fulfills that part of the fantasy
0: I did make my French par- partner watch that movie and I he, he I think he like physically gagged like
1: multiple really? times throughout I wouldn't
0: say he hated it it's not, I'm not like... gonna say it. I don't think he liked it but I just think there was a lot of cringe moments for him of like this is how America because I mean even the opening credits yeah. is just like romantic like yeah. picturesque views of oh it's so I mean I watched it many times. I will watch yeah. it again. But I yeah, I love that movie so much. Ugh. I watched also, but like literary. Wait, there's so many cool people in it. You yes, know, exactly. Like historical people. It's like everything I like in a, in a movie: mm-hmm. historical fiction with
1: a touch of Paris. From yeah, it's just whimsy. <laughs> anyway, we're getting off topic. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> we are. I think that yeah, like we explored the Francophony, We explored French communities outside of like just Paris, but. The thing that I think we did falter on, which I want to try and work on, is like communities outside of Quebec. So I think that, like, there are Francophone communities uh. out in Canada that aren't in Quebec, but they're so hard to get a good, like, representation of, and it's really hard to find a niche book that talks about that and is also good, frankly. And so yeah. I think that we kind of failed at that, but I also think that there's room to be educated on that. So I'm hoping that like I'll get some good suggestions and I'll talk more with some people about like if we can find those communities because so far we really stayed in Quebec mostly.
0: That's true. We do have some things down the pipeline though. not to... Yeah spoil anything but yeah we're working on a very cool project potentially
1: (laughs) i mean the other thing that we talked about that we really wanted to work on was our own french we wanted to inspire Mm. other people as well to continue learning and continue practicing and this is one that i'm really proud of us for because when we started this um podcast i was in a job where i was speaking french all the time and I felt not only insecure about it, but I really was enjoying our talks as an opportunity to speak French with someone I knew who wouldn't judge me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a job where I speak English all the time, even though I'm surrounded by a decent amount of Francophones. And I've become even more insecure because I think that when you don't speak French all the time, it really, you get scared that it, you're worse. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm so out of practice. So. It's been a great opportunity in that way to keep up that muscle, but I'm really yeah. proud of us. I hope that we inspired other people to try. I know that like, we were not always perfect, and it was cringeworthy sometimes, but it, we were learning. I
0: know. There were a few episodes where we were
1: tired
0: or something, yeah. and you can hear it, but I, I am proud of us for continuing with it, because we had multiple talks of just... Do we keep recording in French? Like, yeah. are, are we good enough? And no, we're not nat- we're not native speakers, and that's clear. But I am happy about the progress we've made because I was also part of it, too. It was just an individual project for us of, like, I hope next year when we listen to this, we sound a little bit better or we feel a little bit more confident because I think both play into it. So I, I, I feel you. It's always a learning curve, as I feel every day of my life that I'm in France and have an accent. So, like, there's this running joke with the prime minister right now, uh, whose name is Castex, and he's from the south of France and has a strong, like, southern accent. And so, like, the the press has been giving him a hard time, and there's a little clip of him being like, J'ai un accent, moi? J'ai un accent, moi? (laughs) like responding to a question and so like now anytime I talk I like respond with the same thing (laughs) I'm always like oh I have an accent like and every time I mean we'll walk somewhere and someone hears me talking they'll be like oh you're not from here are you like and the joke is like I'm going to respond one of these days with
1: (laughs) (laughs) you should absolutely do that I love that.
0: But yeah, <laughs> one day. But I have I have enjoyed recording in French. And also, I have loved how our conversations have changed. Because, like, originally, I feel like, oh, we're just going to re-say what we did in English. And so often, our conversations or our thoughts would go, like, in completely different directions from the
1: same framework, from the same book. And that's really cool, too. And that's exactly what we spoke about in the beginning when we were talking about our intentions for this, it's like language opens up your world, you know, and it it makes you think differently. And sometimes I think we see that where the right word, the right way to say something in French opens up a different avenue in your mind of like how to analyze a text and something you wouldn't have thought of in English. It really is like just a, a perspective giving experience to speak another language. All right, well, we have, like, a couple rapid-fire questions I think we should go through just to, like, give ourselves a bit of a review of the year or of what we've done in a year, which, as you said, we covered 12 francophone countries and territories, which is incredible. And so we should put a little note
0: on Um, that. We didn't cover 12 in our podcast episodes, but if you follow our blog, our Instagram, our other outlets, we have reviewed so many other books because it's so hard to choose books for episodes and we've been reading a ton. So for instance, we had one Canadian episode, but we actually have three Canadian books reviewed on our website. So always check out what we're doing on Instagram and our on our blog, the links in our show notes uh, for more information. So that's where the 12 is coming from in case someone's like, I listened to all of them. They're not 12 countries. They're from our our total read count of the yeah, year. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. So I'll just start out with, like, the easiest one, which is what was your favorite book to cover? I mean, from an episode perspective, what was your favorite?
0: It's so hard. Because, like, I have a favorite book, but I don't know if it was my favorite episode.
1: I, okay, so yeah. I also, full disclosure, I also wrote down two answers and then changed one of them because I was like, no, that is my favorite <laughs> book. That is not my favorite one that we covered. Because my, like, again, my second question will be, what was your favorite author? Because I think the the books that we covered... Oh, but see, that's a third answer. I
0: think (laughs) I have, like, three different answers right there. Give
1: me your favorite one that we covered.
0: That's the hardest one. Okay. I think I I have to say Simone Mm -hmm. de Beauvoir, because I became such a fangirl, and it wasn't just the fact... That it was her. So, like, we have multiple things. One, it was a classic that I feel like I missed in my studies. And so, I was really excited to dig in. Two, it's the type of book that you want to do in a classroom or a buddy read. Like, the whole time I was reading it, I was texting you. We were talking. We – I think we had, like, three full conversations plus our podcast episodes on it. Because it was just one of those things that, like, you – you got to, like, talk it out. And so, that was really cool to cover. In that way of... As I read it, I analyzed it differently, I think, because I was looking for a certain angle or I was trying to, like, really put my teeth into yes. it. She's also just such a cool person. Oh. <laughs> and so our research around the book and her was really fun, too.
1: Yeah, that's a really good answer. That was one of my two. So I wrote down two. And I <laughs> my favorite books to cover was, like, The Second Sex. And then also, I really loved reading... Um, Amy César poem because I thought that that was the one that really touched me like beyond and it was such a unique perspective that I really didn't get and I think the lack of specific narrative allowed me to really jump into it a bit more than like some of the other like Petit Pays was a really great read and I enjoyed it a lot but I think that because it was um, narrative you could kind of uh, get interested in the characters and lose the perspective a little bit right. and because Amy says was a, a, like a more of a poem in a long form and it was really like at some point just directly like we are facing oppression this is how we feel um mm-hmm. it was my favorite to digest and dig into like i I really love that I'm gonna reread that often i and I normally don't love poetry so it was a real it was a real like Happy one for me to cover, but second to everything you say on the second sex. Like Simone de Beauvoir is yeah. a, a an incredibly interesting person. Her philosophy is incredibly interesting, and that book is I still every month. You know what I mean? Like use her arguments <laughs> when I'm discussing things with people because it's just she's it's it's so incredible how relevant it is. Ugh, oh, yeah, I'm still jealous of your tote bag. Okay, but can we go back to like?
0: Favorite book thing, because I have an answer for my favorite book. What's your favorite
1: book? book?
0: Mine was, for sure, Petit Mm -hmm. Pagy, Small Country, for exactly what you just said. It was such a beautiful narrative. Not to re-say what we said in the episode, but I think you said it, you put it so well, was that it's a great way to write about trauma, that we could learn about the horrible things that happened. Without it being trauma porn, without it being overwhelming, and it—it it was just so beautifully written. Like I can't, I can't even begin to describe how wonderful of a book that Gael Fai put together. It was
1: an incredible book. <laughs> I was highly recommend, and like that one especially was great because it was so accessible.
0: Also, it's available in English and. and sh- in like a larger amount of bookstores, because there were some that we both had to hunt oh, yeah, down. Like even me in France, there were a few that I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find yes, this."
1: Absolutely. <laughs> um,
0: but what was your favorite book?
1: Oh, okay so this is gonna reveal me as a bit of a nerd but like I loved um King Leopold's ghost I really enjoyed that book yeah. I love any like nonfiction I read nonfiction on the reg <laughs> um and mm-hmm. I read it yeah I, I when we read it I, I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it but actually now that I go into bookstores it is like usually on display so I think that it's actually is yeah, it? I think it's actually quite well read, at least, um, at this point. And I just really enjoyed it. I thought I learned so much. The way that they wrote it was, like, enough, like, a story that you got hooked, but but true enough that felt like you mm-hmm. were learning something. And it just really gave color to history, which can sometimes be boring. And, like, names to heroes, so, I Yeah, I was going to say,
0: Rothschild was very people-oriented. Like, the whole story was very people-centered. Oh, yes. So, we followed the, the person. And I agree, it really made it easier. As, like, I also love a good nonfiction, but there are some where you just feel like you're reading a textbook, yes. and that one didn't yes. feel like a textbook. Yeah. It almost felt like a travel log, because you were, like, on the voyage with these people, learning about... Sometimes the terrible things they did, and then sometimes the heroic things they yeah. did, depending, you know, on which side of history
1: we are yeah, on. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, that was my favorite book, I think. But, um, okay, well, what was your favorite author? You said that there's a third answer for this. I'm so excited oh, for that. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, I will share mine. My favorite author okay. um, was by far James Baldwin. So I, you oh, knew this okay. and I, I was honest with you guys um, about how much I love him to begin with. But I love James Baldwin and rereading Giovanni's Room was just awesome. And I love the, re- the way he writes. I love the world he creates. I love that you get into si- inside people's heads. Like it's not my favorite story in the sense that like it's, it's a, it's a very specific story, but the way he writes and the way he describes the pain of becoming yourself is just so real and so honest and I, I could read that book every year. I love it. but yeah that was a
0: that was a good one. I would not say Baldwin was my favorite author. I do agree with you that it was like a I really enjoyed reading it and that was actually my first Baldwin so catching up with my all <laughs> my American literature and this experience. <laughs> And I think that I think what I'm struggling with is that we have literary good, like we read some that were like let's say literature category. We read a couple that were contemporary fun reads. We've read a few that were nonfiction. We've read ah, oh, it's just so. Mm. Well, I really like the writing styles of two authors I read previously to this experience. So I feel like this just is like so sad. But you just said Baldwin too, and that was a reread for yeah, you. Yeah, okay. You've read Baldwin That's okay, before. Yeah. Because I was gonna say I've, I clearly have a thing with Albert Camus, which yeah, came obviously. across very strongly. Obviously, <laughs> I really loved *Ifô Foku hommes by yes. Marie Dariusik. Like, because I liked that writing style of how unique it was and how different. Yeah. But again, it's putting that into—it's not the easiest read. It was more of this literary thing where you're trying to yeah. figure out, and she would just put so many contemporary references in that. I really liked that I love I love reading books where I'm like oh I recognize this or yeah. like I know this it really puts you in the moment because even reading it back I was I remembered what it felt like to read that in you know when it was newly printed and it was talking about people that were still in power versus now like yeah. President Sarkozy is no longer the president so it was, it was cool to reread that one so I probably yeah. think she was my fave that's a,
1: that's a but different. I
0: also love Layla Slavani. As a person. As a person, really think she's great.
1: I'm going to stop there. <laughs> I <a> <laughs> Okay, so I think, like, the obvious follow-up question is, like, what book challenged you the most? Because I know that there were books that I was super excited to read. Um, and I'll be honest, for me, it was Camus. Like, I found Le Transile to be really difficult. <laughs> and not just difficult in the sense of, like, it was I read it in French, but, like, it was also difficult because it was just, it it was, it was one of those literary things that I think sits with you, and I think I would benefit from reading it again, but when I first finished it, I was not, like, satisfied, and it was definitely... I think it, it helped to have a conversation about it, but it was by far the one that challenged me the most. Like I was not in love with it and I was, but you know that it's so well reviewed and everyone loves this book and I knew that you loved it. So I felt such pressure to like, in, like understand it and enjoy it. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. So yeah, that's my answer for the one that challenged me. Although Leila Slimani's was also I wanted to like it so much and it felt like every moment that we were getting close to me really enjoying it, we like moved away and there was something that I couldn't stand about it. So like I definitely finished it very quickly. It was like a good read, but um yeah. there was a lot in that book that was like I love the symbolism. I hate the violence. I love the like <laughs> I love what she's turning on her on the on its head. Like I love the intergenerational stuff and I like hate some of the characters. Like it was such a interesting roller coaster.
0: That one I really struggled with because I really, really wanted to love it. I really did. Cause I think she's so cool. And I have to say, like, I've given Layla Silivani a few shots now. I loved listening to her speak when I saw her. I was so pumped. I mean she signed our books. Like we have signed copies of this Amazing. book. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, because yeah I I felt you... There were just quite a few passages that really made me just kind of disgusted. But I think that was the mm. point. Yeah. Like that she likes to explore things and there's, she wants to evoke feelings and thought and it did that, but it doesn't mean it's the easiest read. Yeah. Um, but I would say... I read her book, Sex and Lies, and it was fantastic, like absolutely incredible, really liked it. It was, each chapter is kind of like based on a conversation interview she had with real Moroccan women about sex and, and their lives and everything, and so I really enjoyed that in that perspective, and I guess that kind of aligns with the fact that I loved listening to her speak. I love her more like journalistic writings mm-hmm. like whenever she writes an article or like talks on the radio everything she says is amazing it's so like that book yeah. yeah i felt like that book was so in line with what why i like her compared to the literary one which i watched the film adaptation of one of her books and i was scarred i was like oh, oh no. my lord
1: oh,
0: okay <laughs> it was the it was the, la chanson douce like All the right. perfect yeah, nanny yeah. and like guys it is Dark. It is dark. And it's based on a true event, which is even worse. That's
1: worse. That's worse. Yeah,
0: it is. It is. So, anyways.
1: What I thought was super interesting was some of the like nerdy uh, statistics about our podcast. Can you break down for us a little bit? Yeah, you know I love a good statistic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I
0: didn't put together an Excel spreadsheet or anything. Well, we did really well. So, in a year, we read, how many books? 43 French books reviewed on our blog.
1: Wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. And, I know,
0: yeah. And we've got, so, 43 French books, 12 countries, and quite a lot of genres. Like, they weren't, like you said, they weren't all the same. We had fiction, memoirs, essays graphic novels or the babies Mm -hmm. we got poetry got even a play in there so that's kind of cool but I think what was really exciting was that we had mostly women authors Yeah. because that is important to me read women's voices read women authors like especially since we made a big focus on translated work and we tried our best to pick books that were available in French and English yeah and this is episode's coming out in September. We're just coming out of August, which is Women in Translation Month. And that is because 30% of translated works are done by women. So they're not mm-hmm. the majority. So I think that's pretty exciting that we actually have majority women authors yeah. for books that have been translated.
1: Yeah, that's a great perspective on it as well. Because like, we saw with Simone de Beaufort in The Second Sex what translation can do to a book. And how much it can mm-hmm. warp it. So yeah, it's a great that's a great point. I was also really proud of that. I was so interested to see that our top episode for the, the year was French Women Don't Get Fat Tied with the Stranger. Which No, it's not tied. Oh sorry. Not tied.
0: It's first and second. So the top okay. episode by far <laughs> by way, way more lessons was French Women Don't Get Fat in English. Okay. Followed by Followed by the Stranger. But what I think is really interesting is that our French episodes did better than our English for nine books. That's incredible. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, our audience, there's a lot of people from a lot of different countries, so it's, mm-hmm. I'm curious of why they choose to listen in English or French, or if they listen in both. I don't know. It's very, I'd be curious to know.
1: Yeah. I'd be curious to know, too. You guys should, like, reach out to us on Instagram and our blog and let us know if you just... Or email, if you want to write an email. Or our email, (laughs) yes, which is in the show notes. But um, it would be interesting to know your perspective because I feel... Obviously, we are very insecure about our French sometimes, but it's so interesting to see that those episodes did well and... French women don't get fat was such a great episode because we hated the title and we felt so not sure about whether we should give it a platform because it was so problematic. But there was so much in it that was good and that we could learn from, and so I'm I'm glad that we ultimately did it. But we did have multiple offline conversations about whether or not we should include yeah. it.
0: <laughs> we did. But I think we also used it as a, a launching pad to discuss other things. Cause there were some books that we really got into the nitty-gritty, and then there were some that we used to talk about larger cultural, societal issues, and that was definitely one of them.
1: That's a great point.
0: So So yeah.
1: let's talk about like moving forward. What's next for us? How like what are we looking forward to doing and what are our new objectives if we have any? I definitely
0: want to keep reading books outside of France. Just having that as a goal has really expanded what I look for. Mm-hmm. Books to grammars that I'm yeah. following yeah. online have changed because I've been looking for certain titles or certain authors and it's led me to different accounts. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wow, that book looks amazing. I need to read this. And so like, that's really important, Like diversifying what I'm reading. And getting into cultures that I don't know, because even, even within the Francophonie, there are a lot of countries, like, I didn't, I don't really know that they were part of the Francophonie, or I really don't know what their cultures entail, so, like, I definitely want to explore that
1: more. Yeah, I think that that's a great, like, continuing objective. I think that, like, we always say, like, there's more to learn, and there just is. There's so much more of the Francophonie for us to explore, well, because I
0: feel like we've, we've talked about books from both Lebanon and Haiti oh, that we haven't got, haven't had time yeah. to discuss yet on an episode, and I'm like, we need to. We, we need to we find need to. time.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about Lebanon. So I'm, I, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, we already have a book in mind for that, like 100% <laughs> we'll be doing an episode yes. on that one.
1: <laughs> um, one of the things that I was like looking forward to and hoping that we can shift in our objectives... Um, are like new forms of literature because as much as I love reading books, books are so time consuming. And unfortunately we're both in um, pretty rigorous careers. And so it it requires a decent amount of like reading stuff related to boring. Well, not boring stuff. It's interesting to me, but lots of like nonfiction that's related to my job that makes it hard to pick up a book and read it in a week. So I'm looking forward to like different types of literature. I know we explored poetry a little bit. I think that it would be cool to do more poetry. I think it would be cool to explore the world of Days or comics. I yeah, think that that is definitely. something that is a huge deal in France and it's really become its own so medium. Big. And like, I really think that we should explore that because there are great stories that basically aren't told outside of that, outside of bédez, like, or are their best representation is in a bidet. So I wanna explore uh-huh. that a bit more. And like maybe even talk about the occasional movie or two. Yeah,
0: movies, oh, or series, like I mean we we featured Lupin multiple times, but can we oh, so good. Oh Marcy. Like O oh, Marcy oh, is my favorite actor <laughs> of all time. Amazing. That's we said. Oh Marcy. No. <laughs> no. But I also agree. I think I think it'd be really fun to kind of Add in a few more bonus episodes here and there, too. Like, I really enjoyed our conversation on existentialism as a primer. Yeah. Or even, even in our conversation about the new Parisian, Lindsay herself offered a primer to her book. And okay. so I think that would be kind of cool, too, to maybe do a, f- a series where we offer a primer so that when we actually get to the book we're all on the same page of, like, this is what's happening or, like, this is what's going on. Because there were a few times that we tried to, like, brute force, (laughs) you know, some very complex things. And we had the time behind the scenes to to the research, think, and digest and to try to pull it all into a
1: 30-minute episode. is quite hard. It is. It is. I think that there's – yeah, I agree. I think that it would be great as well to, like – align some of the things we want to talk about not only with literature but with real real life and I think when it merits like its own episode we should just do that and have a little less structure which is you know poison for both of us but we need to just be okay with it (laughs) I think a little less structure and a little more like you said like giving voice to things that that merit more exploration because there's just so much to know about like the negritude movement we could have done a whole episode on that just on could it have done a
0: whole season yes. <laughs> whole season on that <laughs> and,
1: and i think not doing that in some ways like it doesn't diminish but it does obscure the importance of the text that we're reading so i'm excited to like not just talk about you know french communities outside of Quebec but talk to a French person who did, doesn't live in Quebec or you know uh, learn about these issues and give them the time that is required to really digest them and understand them
0: absolutely I agree well to maybe finish off this retrospective do you have a francophone francophile <laughs> whatever you want to call it recommendation so, it can be book, film, series, podcast, radio, whatever. What's your recommendation for someone to pick up?
1: Oh. Um, well, okay, a recommendation for someone to pick up. I think Lupin is straight up the easy answer because it's just <laughs> a great show, and it's really good. and it makes you want to read the books. I hilarious. I thought you were gonna say, "Look, what's your francophile moment of the week?" And I almost wanted to say, "We're having an election in Canada," um, and there was recently a Radio Canada a special émission, a special like thing, um, where they had like literally a French t- like style interview with a politician, with each politician, each federal leader where they sat and grilled them on issues specific to their their uh, uh, their p- platform. And I just loved it so much. And it reminded me so much of being in France where... Uh-huh. And they're so harsh. <laughs> Those journalists are, like, really rough. It is a rough time to go on, like, French news and answer questions, especially as, like, the prime minister or the president. And there's... Yeah. So... I liked that a lot. It was a great moment of like the two worlds colliding for me. It was in that style of like three newscasters asking really tough questions, not letting you get away with it.
0: Yeah. Very nice. So to wrap up, Lupin and Canadian Radio Yes. during this election <laughs> season. <As laughs>
1: yeah. What about you? Give a better answer than that because there has to be one.
0: Well, see, mine's kind of lame because mine's a book. But I have to say, my favorite book of 2021 so far has been a French book, and I think everyone should read it. It's, it is long. It is a, if someone pulls it up, they're going to be like, what is Helen talking about? This is... <laughs> <laughs> it's a chunk, <laughs> but it's fantastic. And it's called The Art of Losing, or L'Art de Père, um by Alice Zineter. And it is phenomenal. Like I cannot, can't even put into words how amazing it is. It's a transgenerational novel about an Algerian family. And you get three different parts in the book. And each part is dedicated to the immigrant experience of that generation. And it is so touching and really, really well written and well done. So I would definitely pick that up. It's available in English, like I said, got recently translated this year. So I would, I would do it. That's my recommendation.
1: That is a much better answer and very exciting. I think that everyone is inspired by that. That's super cool. So we just want to say thank you to all of our listeners as well for being so um, yeah. patient and supportive. And we've really loved doing this. We would have done it if nobody w- listened, but it really helps that people listen.
0: <laughs> I know. It's crazy to see the huge... List of countries that people tune in from, and amazing. how many people listen. So, thank you guys so much. It's amazing to talk about books and culture and everything in between with you guys. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and we'll be back for season three pretty soon. So, stay tuned. Yeah.
0: Stay tuned to our Instagram and blog to see what's coming up if you want to. Us. Okay, bye everyone.
1: Adiós. Bye.
0: A plus.